Hey Life Kitten, Roger here, one of your pastors. So glad that you're joining us, whether you listen to us every week or you're a brand new listener. Either way, I want to remind you that here at Life Kitten, we believe that you belong. You belong to God, so you belong to this community. And we don't want you just to be an attender, but a participant in what is happening in this community and what God is doing. So the best way for you to get plugged in is to fill out a connect card so that we can know your name, uh, answer any questions you may have, or maybe even direct you into areas of our church that you are interested in. So be sure to fill one of those out. And while you are filling that out at our Life Canton website or our Church Center app, I want to remind you that's also an opportunity to support what God is doing at this church. And there's lots of ways to do that, but one way is to financially support what God is doing to give to the mission of God at this church. Some of you have done that and are doing that, so thank you. But I want to challenge those of you who have not considered it before to consider giving a financial gift to the church uh, this week so that we can continue to do what God is calling us to do and continue to be participants in the kingdom that he is building through our church. Uh, this week, we are in week three of our series, Dual Citizen, where we've kind of been talking about this dual citizen status of being people in the empire, but also members of the kingdom of God. And this week, we have another special guest, Pastor Rhonda Adams. Uh, she's going to give a powerful, a wonderful message on the poor in the kingdom of God. So give that a listen, and I'll catch up with you in just one moment. Amen. You can have a seat. Uh, as I mentioned before, at the beginning, we have a guest speaker joining us today. I'm excited to introduce her. Um, but first, I want to just mention this. We have been in this series called Dual Citizen, and we uh, introduced at the very first week this idea of these competing components in our world, the dueling of the empire and the kingdom of God. And there's a constant dueling that is created within us. And I'm, I'm thinking about this in light of Black History Month, and some would say Black history is American history, right? And so what we think about when we think about the empire is this uh, desire to assimilate, to just have one singular voice, and we all sound like that voice. And that is not the way it is in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is multi-ethnic. The kingdom of God is colorful. And so in light of Black History Month, I think it's been so important that we hear from other voices that are not me, <laughs> that are different perspectives, that are beautiful perspectives, that are diverse perspectives. And so it's been great to hear from Miss Marniz. And now I'm excited to have you here uh, from Pastor Rhonda Adams. Would you welcome her to the stage as she gives our message today? And I'm going to pray for her as well as we get started. Jude, uh, if you feel comfortable, just extend a hand towards Rhonda as we begin our time. Father, thank you uh, for Rhonda. Thank you for her story. Thank you that she knows you. Uh, that she will not boast in anything but Christ's death and resurrection. And God, now as she uh, prepares to give us a word from Matthew 25 in this story that is sometimes confusing to us, God, I pray that you would bring clarity to our hearts and minds, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us uh, uh, words of comfort, but also words of conviction. Uh, bless our time. Bless Pastor Rhonda as well. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Life Church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am so excited to be here with you today. And I just want to thank your pastor. And I want to thank all of you for just welcoming me with open arms. Amen. You know what? I have just been excited about this series you guys have been on. 
regarding dual and dual citizenship. And I've been trying to follow online and my eyes have been open to some things. And, you know, when it comes to Black history, I just think about it as it's a type of slavery and people just want to keep you in bondage. And you know what I realized? It doesn't have anything really to do with the color of your skin. Amen. I told Pastor Jared this morning, I woke up and what I thought about was, if anybody has a credit card statement, I brought a piece of my credit card statement, right? And there's a part here that I never really paid attention to. It tells me if I pay my minimum balance in three years, I would owe them $6,765. Now, mind you, my credit limit is only $2,500. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's if I pay. $188 in three years. If I paid a minimum balance, it would take me 20 years and I would pay them $14,000, $14,529. And that's how the empire operates. The empire wants you stuck in life. It doesn't want you to get ahead. They just want to pad their pocket. Amen. The empire does so much and they come to us in so many ways through media and through TV commercials. And they just want us to get to spend more and more and more. And I was just paying attention to when John was bringing the message last week. And you know what? If I had never created a budget, I would be in dire trouble. So today I want to talk to you about the reality that God's kingdom always favors the poor. And that's what Pastor Jared presented me with in regards to this series. So the message of my um, series this morning is, what do you see? Because sometimes we can be looking at something, but we really don't see, amen. We really don't see the intent behind it. Okay, we really don't see what they're trying to get us to do that God doesn't want us to do. Amen. So what do you see? You guys have been in this series all this month. So to this morning, I'm asking you, what do you see regarding the kingdom? The kingdom is the substance of what? Love and generosity, mercy and grace. The kingdom of God is characterized by righteousness. Humility and service defines the kingdom. The poor are blessed in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a transformation of heart and mind. The kingdom has an eternal destination for believers in Christ Jesus. Amen. So what do we see when we see the empire? So we see the kingdom is love. So, so what is the empire? Well, regarding the empire, it elevates the rich and forgets the poor. And remember, in the kingdom, the poor are what? Blessed. Amen. It oppresses the vulnerable. It encourages competition and selfishness. The empire represents worldly power, 
structures. The empire is not interested or concerned about the needs of others. Only in self, in the kingdom, we encourage one another. We uplift one another. Amen. In Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Amen. Now, the empire doesn't want you to have what you need. It wants you to have what it wants you to have. Amen. It's in our conforming that our dueling begins. The empire does not want us to conform to God's way. Leaning into our own understanding is not God's way. God's way is trusting in him and not our own self-reliance. The empire wants you totally reliant on it. I'm going to do it my way mentality. Have you ever heard or said, I got this? You know, that's what our 21-year-old will tell us sometimes. You know, we'll be trying to give her wise advice and instructions. And, you know, and sometimes I have to think about it. You know what? I did the same thing too. But, you know, we're trying to tell her what it is that we know from experience. Amen. And we know what will happen if you go left instead of going right. And you know what she'll say? Mom, Dad, I got this. <laughs> Thy will and not our will is God's way. God's way is aligning with his desires and not following our own desires. Because our desires should line up with God's desires. Our will is our personal desires and choices. And you know, sometimes we make bad choices. His will, God's divine plan or higher purpose. When we don't submit and surrender to God's will, we are in conflict. Amen. And we struggle in our submission and our surrender. We are becoming more like Christ. What if Christ Jesus had not submitted and surrendered his life for us? There would be no kingdom come. How do we live out this dual citizenship of kingdom and empire? How, I mean, how do we do that? Remaining totally submitted and surrendered to the kingdom of God. How do we do that when the empire is constantly coming at us, trying to pull us its way? As I watched online, Pastor Jared introduced this sermon, series of dual and dual citizenship. In his clarity of explanation, he targeted the word identity. On second Sunday, Miss Marnice so graciously targeted distractions. And on third Sunday, John hit it on the head of how the empire hijacks our identity and how it uses money to distract us with this influence of having more of the empire and less of the kingdom. You know how that is. You know, it seems like they're looking in your pocket, doesn't it? 
It seems like they're looking at all the bills you have and then they see the income that you bring in and see how you're drug juggling and trying to make ends meet. And back in, in, in a day, they used to say begging from Peter to pay Paul. Who am I through all of this? Who are you? This has been a popular question throughout my journey of life. It has even been a question I once asked myself. The empire had me thinking my identity was in what I look like, who I look like, what title I held, or how much money I had in my pocket, how much money I could acquire. These are not satisfiers. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Amen, as John pointed out, if you don't know what to do with the money you have. Because what happens? You see more and you want more. And you look and you don't have more. They only stir up feelings in us like jealousy, stealing, cheating, lying, and all sorts of evil. These feelings are indicators that this is the pull of the empire and not the kingdom. There was a time I lived a dual life. I was new to my Christianity, still trying to please people, still trying to hold on to some of its pleasures. I was dueling with myself. I had a three-way struggle happening. I wanted to please God, my flesh, and others. I was in a spiritual conflict, y'all, and had no idea how to get out of it. Distractions for me were those things that I liked doing in the flesh that would come to invite me back in. Now, you know that it happened, don't you? Those things you think you have stepped out of, uh, uh, and when you're doing all fine with God and you think everything's okay, here comes that empire mentality to try to suck you back in. Doesn't that look good? Doesn't she look good? Doesn't he look good? It'll do that to you. There were relationships and places and thoughts I needed to break from and be free. I had a key to the church. Before I went to work in the morning, I would go to the altar and just cry out to God. In that moment is when I became what we call spiritually poor. I needed God more than I knew I needed him. I couldn't do it on my own. I was in a place of needing God, not just then, but every step of my journey in this life. We need God every step of the way. Then I did not understand my spiritual poverty. It wasn't even a thought. I just responded the way I did because I felt a tug within me. Have you ever felt like it was a tug going on inside of you? You were trying to go one way, but the Holy Spirit was trying to tell you, no, 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 don't do it that way. Go this way. I didn't have clarity. I could not see, but now I know I was following the lead of the Holy Spirit. He was leading me toward God. And that's when we have to realize our spiritual poverty. That's when we don't have 
the things of God to keep us steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. We have to know we need him and we have to go after him. That's why that scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He'll add everything else we need. Amen. Sometimes I would share a story with my 21-year-old daughter (laughs) and let her know I understand the challenges of life. You know, sometimes I have to let her know, you know what, I may be removed, but I'm not that far removed. You know, because sometimes those things come back to remind me to keep me in my place with God. And you know how she'll respond to me? (laughs) She'll say, Mom, you were doing too much. (laughs) In Matthew 25 through 46, which our message is coming from today, we look at this powerful parable, and it's this story that is going to teach us what happens when we remain submitted and surrendered to the kingdom of God. And you know what? As God's disciples, it takes discipline. Amen. How many of us know what discipline? It's something our parents or whoever raised us, our aunts, our uncles, you know, they tried to instill in us discipline. We're better off in life with discipline. Amen. We are going to visit three key points this morning. Who are the sheep and the goat? The elements of being spiritual poor. And three, practical step toward being the sheep. Who are the sheep from the goat? in this parable today. Matthew 25 and 31, it says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. This is a time of the judgment, okay? You know, sometimes you think you got time to get it all together, but you know what? Because we don't know the time, we always have to be together. This scripture alerts us to be in a state of ready. Are you familiar with Lyft or Uber? Well, they both have a feature, select, okay? And when you are ready for a driver to come, sometimes it has shown me the driver is seven minutes away. But once I hit select, that could change to two minutes away. I have a certain amount of time to cancel the ride still. When Jesus comes, we don't have the option of selecting when that time will be. When Jesus comes, we won't have an option of canceling when he is coming. Once I hit select for my ride to come, I see an image of the car in motion. And it's countdown. When the driver is a minute or two away, it beats. So I'm outside and ready when he comes. If I'm not outside, sometimes I'll see he'll just pass by the house. And depending on who's driving the car, I don't know if he's going to keep going or not. I know one thing. I don't want to be in that position when Jesus comes. I don't want him to pass me by. In Matthew 25 and 32, it says, 
all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. Why does a shepherd separate the sheep from the goats? Well, the goat, they have a different dietary and behavioral need. Goats are browsers and, and will eat anything, including poisonous plants, while sheep are grazers and will only eat grass. See, we can't eat everything the empire throws at us because the empire doesn't mean us any good. Goats are browsers, we say, and they eat anything. Goats are also independent and rebellious. You know, we can be so independent. You know, sometimes we don't want to hear what nobody has to say. We just want to do things our way. And then when we get in trouble, what happens? Well, sheep are obedient and loyal to themselves. <laughs> goats, call, goats are also independent, but while sheep are obedient and loyal. Okay? Goats cause conflict. Have you ever been around people and they just cause conflict? You know, they always got to say something or do something to get the crowd riled up. They don't stick with the routine, do they? <laughs> they have their own agenda and their own vision. You know, you cannot be a part of a ministry and every single person in the church has their own vision. What would the church look like if everybody is following their own agenda? It will be total chaos. In Matthew 25 and 33, it says, He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. The sheep on his right are those who believe in Christ Jesus. His sheep dietary and behavioral need is the kingdom. Our dietary need is the word of God. Behaviorally, we are moved by the spirit, not by our emotions. Yes, we have emotions, but we don't let our emotions control us. Amen. We flip the script. And we look back to Jesus. Amen. The goats on his left are the unrighteous. Their dietary and behavioral need feed off the empire. You know what? I just love how scripture like connects itself to the truth of God. When we look at Luke 23 and 43, it says, And Jesus replied, I assure you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. That's the destination of God's sheep. Amen. This is a most memorable verse in scripture. If you begin reading at verse 26, you will see it's the crucifixion. Jesus is hanging on the cross with a thief, a sheep on the right, but he's a thief. And a thief, a right unrighteous on the left of him. 
As Jesus hung on the cross, people were watching. The soldiers were mocking him, and the thief on the left joined in and began inserting insults to Jesus. Amen. You see, in the empire, we join in with the crowd. You know how we tell our children again, stay away from the crowd. The thief on the right, scripture says, rebuke the thief on the left. You see, the thief on the right wasn't influenced by the thief on the left. He wasn't influenced by the crowd. When Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise, it parallels with our text today. In Matthew 25 and 34, it says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. In 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, what is that inheritance? What inheritance do we have for to see? It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We ought to have great expectation of what Christ Jesus has prepared for us. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. Now, this is a scripture that we can keep in our hearts. When the empire is coming at us, amen, we ought to be reminded of what God has promised us. What do you see? It's not the physical position of the thieves or the sheep that determined their entry into the kingdom. It was the position of their heart that turned them to repentance. At that very moment, the thief on the right chose Jesus. Amen. Two, the elements of being spiritual poor. In John 10, 27 through 28, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. They will never what? Perish. No one can snatch them away from me. The sheep were operating out of spiritual poverty. Amen. They knew they needed Jesus. When we're in spiritual poverty, we're emptied out of ourselves. And we're saying, God, come on in. Come on in. We don't quench this Holy Spirit. We allow him just to fill us and move us and guide us and lead us in the direction God will have us to go. In their repentance, they became dependent on God and his grace. Amen. How do we do this? In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, 
it's going to give us the elements for doing this. The first thing it says is trust. Trust in who? In the empire or the kingdom? We're going to trust in the kingdom, the Lord, with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. That's the second element. Don't depend on you. I can't depend on me. Sometimes my thoughts are all wishy-washy. I'll tell myself to go to the left. I'll get halfway there. And I say, oh, no, I need to go to the right. I'll get halfway there. And I say, oh, maybe I should have went forward. You know, I should have went backward. Could you imagine doing that and you're driving a car? It says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So we trust God, we don't depend on ourselves, and we seek his will. Amen. God shows us which path that we ought to take, not sometime, but all the time. So what do we have to do? He shows us through his word. Amen. So that's why we have to sit and study the word of God. I see you guys have the bookshelf out there and it it makes a statement. I'm ad-libbing that if you want to get more in the word of God, just take a Bible. Amen. Test and trials. Do you know tests and trials strengthen us? The scripture lets us know that we're going to have trials, but through those trials, we should get stronger and stronger in the Lord. Why? Because as we're going through those trials, we're going to God. We're going to him in study. We're going to him in prayer. We're going to him in fellowship and encouraging one another. He shows us which path through his protection. Have you ever said, boy, you know what? If it had not been for the Lord, I don't know how I got out of this one. He shows us this path through fellowship with other believers. Amen. So when we're building our social base, let's make sure we have those in our midst that encourage us in the Lord. You know what I'm saying? The Bible tells us to correct one another in love. We're not just supposed supposed to see our brothers and sisters go down the wrong path. We just remind them and say, oh, you know what? I think God says this way. Amen. And then he shows us which path through inner conviction. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts us, says, Mm-mm, I don't think you better do that. And you will feel that nudge for you to go in God's direction and not your own direction. The word poor is in the Bible on many occasions. So what do you hear and think about or see when you hear the word poor? Proverbs 28 and 27 says, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. So I'm going to tell you a little story about City Covenant Church. City Covenant Church is in one of the most reported poverty-stricken areas of Detroit, Michigan. And Brightmore is where my pastor, Pastor Samuel Thomas, he has a heart to serve the community 
community and tackling food insecurity. Restoring a community one person, one family, one street at a time is what you will see when you open up our web page. Through our feeding program and providing other necessary resources, through our many partnerships, our ministry is not rich in resources, but the riches of Pastor Samil's heart, along with our First Lady, reaches many who pour into our mission work. Pastor gives and gives and God provides. Our pews are seated with many that Pastor Thomas did not close his eyes to. He and his wife are constantly in prayer. First Lady will testify how when they pray, God just shows up. Now, history tells in 1921, land developer Bert Eddie Taylor bought 160 acres of land in Refford Township. That's where I live. One mile from Detroit city limits at that time, he created Brightmore, which was a subdivision, as a planned community of inexpensive housing for migrants. You see, he had one intention. These migrants were from the southern United States in the early 1920s. Detroit's automobile manufacturing plants were expanding. You know, everybody was coming here to get with the automotive industry. It was booming. People were coming to get work. And between 1923 and 1924, 2,913 acres was added to the community. Now, in the most recent census, the first being in 1990, the population of Brightmoor was 23,775. And then it kind of took a dive. In 2020, the census says the population was 11,099. So what happened in this Brightmoor community? Well, a Report from WDET News on July 28, 2017, states Brightmore residents have long been fighting to reclaim their neighborhood. Today, there is still a struggle. What are they reclaiming from? Well, they mentioned the 1967 riot. Okay, and it said that it kept deteriorating after that. But mind you, it was already set up to be a place where people could live inexpensive. So it wasn't meant to be a thriving community in the first place. It's struggling today between progress and poverty. They have housing issues. Crime is escalating. There's urban decay. Drugs and violence, it's economic challenges. There's so much going on in this Brightmore community. When we do our feeding program, you may have many people coming in. They have an address, but they're in homes with no lights and no gas. They don't have the basic needs to maintain. So the poor definition in the Merriman Dictionary says, lacking material 
possessions. So what about just lack? So when we hear the word poverty, we usually hear it like in a group setting, in a community, like this Brightmore community. So that means there's a target. The empire has targeted a whole community. Does anyone remember the housing crisis in 2008? There were communities targeted but declined. When I was in the workforce, each week, I would visit the grocery store to make sure to avoid running out of food. This particular week, it was very hectic at work, and I did not make it to the grocery store. So we were a little low. My husband came home from work looking in the refrigerator, and he did not see what he wanted. And he said, what happened? (laughs) There is nothing in the refrigerator. Well, my response was, yeah, there's eggs, there's milk, (laughs) there's butter, and so on. But he was seeing something totally different. Some days later, I asked him about his reaction. And he said, it made me feel like we were poor. To this day, I've never really asked my husband, why did it make him feel that way? But when I think about lack, there are different things in life that can make us feel like we're poor. We have the basic needs of life. We may have the house. We may have clothes on our back. Amen. We may have a job. But things don't, aren't always the same as they look on the outside. We can be all dressed up and something else is going on totally different on the inside. So what can make us feel poor? How about living paycheck to paycheck? Bank account overdrafts. Oh, my goodness, you guys. Before I married my husband, I was like overdrafting. I was overdrafting so much before I could get money to pay for the first overdraft, another overdraft hit. Being between jobs because you don't know when the next job is coming. Bill collectors don't wait. They just add on more fees. The empire doesn't try to help you succeed. Amen. How about living off credit cards? I just gave that example of the credit card I had. Only having enough money to pay bills and no emergency bank account. Having to decide what you are going to pay now and hopefully pay later. Lack of education. Lack of health. How about lack of voice? All these things and more can make us feel like we're poor. So where do we get the encouragement from to keep going? Because everything I said, again, may look good on the outside. It doesn't mean it's going well on the inside. Matthew 26, 11 says, You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So first and foremost, we should seek the kingdom of God. 
because that's how we're going to get through (laughs) the lack that we experience in the empire. We will always have an opportunity to help the poor. You see, because we can be poor in many different ways. We can be poor because we don't have friendship. How can we not be enabling, though, when we're helping the poor? Well, in Luke 10, 33, it says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. God will give us compassion. We will be moved by compassion. Whenever we're moved by compassion, we're not enabling anyone. With Christ in our hearts, we help them to help others. You know, we used to say we help them to help themselves, but they can't help themselves without Christ Jesus. We help others so they would have a heart to help others and it would just keep going on and going on. I want to tell you this last story about a man named Mr. Will. He was deaf and homeless. He came into my workplace. He wrote me a note of him needing $5. And I wrote him a note saying, give me $5. Who did I think I was? He reached, this story still makes me tear up. He reached in his pocket and he pulled out all the change he had. And he handed it to me. I was in a church, praising the Lord, serving in ministry. At that time, I was a licensed minister. And I was deprived of humility and didn't even know it. I was at a funeral home. Can you imagine that? I was in a place where we buried dead loved ones. And I had to bury myself. Three, practical steps toward being the sheep. Now, as we move further in our text, Jesus sees the heart of those on his right. They fed the hungry. They gave drink to the thirsty. They took in strangers. They clothed the naked. They took care of the sick. They visited those in prison. Do we have to do all of that? But God tells us the poor will always be with us. We're going to run across some poor person, even if it's us or the person sitting next to us. We're going to run across someone who is poor and they need our help. They need us to point them to Jesus. And say, with him, everything's going to be okay. What does Jesus see? When they did all that for them, Jesus says, you were doing it to me. Matthew 25 and 40 says, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken. The other will be left. Which man will you be? 
The profound thing is they did not serve in any way to make brownie point. We don't serve one another for someone to pat us on the back. They didn't even know they saw Jesus. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, it says in Matthew 25, 37. What do you see? They identified with Christ. The empire did not distract them from serving God. They managed the gifts God gave them to serve. In Matthew 7, 20, it says, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. They didn't see Jesus, but others should see Jesus in us. Ironically, they were serving those in a poor state in response to them being spiritually poor. They didn't operate like the empire. It wasn't all about them. It was about those Jesus that placed in front of them. In Matthew 5, 3, it says, Blessed, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Humility, the kingdom is yours. Let's jump ahead and back up. What about the goats? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 25 and 46, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Hmm. Why does God take this so seriously? You ever thought about that? Why does God take this so seriously? Well, Psalms 51 and 4 says, Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. The psalmist tells us against you. When we operate in unrighteousness, we're going against God. We're going against the hand that feeds us, the hand that clothes us, the hand that pays our bills, the hand that has prepared a place for us. We're going against Almighty God. Matthew 25 and 41 says, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Well, the goats have a place prepared for them too. The goats saw what needed to be done and didn't do it. You know how a parent tells a child to clean up their room, but the child does not make a move until they hear the parent coming? Then they scatter the cleaning room. When you get there, it's not done right. Or you come in and it's not done at all. And you say, like my husband said, what happened? 
<laughs> well, you know what? I don't want to be a goat. Because Jesus is not going to ask us what's happened. He's just going to send us off. <laughs> the ghosts respond in Matthew 25, 44. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? How could they miss the poor that's going to be before them always? We should not have to see Jesus to do what Jesus would do. That's the whole point of being a sheep. They saw the hungry, they saw the thirsty, they saw the naked, and they did not help. They could have picked anyone to help, and they didn't. Jesus is not saying he celebrates us being poor. No, not at all. He does not celebrate us coming to a point in life where we are in poverty. He does not. But he does celebrate us taking the opportunity to help one another. So I ask you, what do you see in these three questions? Ask yourself, how am I different from the goat? How is my heart and my humility? And how can I help my life church family serve the poor in our community? Most gracious and kind, Father God, Lord, we just thank you for your word on today, Father God. I pray that it saturated our hearts, oh, Father God, and it causes us to move in a direction that you would have us to go. Father God, help us to see ourselves, oh, Father God, Lord, and help us, oh, Father God, not to turn away from the poor, Lord, no matter what condition they may be in. Father God, help us to recognize, oh, Father God, those who may be sitting right beside us or even in our own homes, those in our church community, oh, Father God, those in our neighborhoods. Help us, oh, Father God, to see more clearly. And, oh, Father God, I ask you to touch your people, Lord, today. Touch their hearts and their minds, oh, Father God, and bless them richly, oh, Father God, Lord, that they may go forth excited to do your kingdom work. And so, Father God, I thank you, oh, Father God, for what you have done here this morning and will be forever careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you guys thank Pastor Rhonda for joining us today? Welcome back. I hope that message challenged, encouraged, or uh, revealed something new to you. Hope that you enjoyed it. It was powerful. We're so glad that Pastor Rhonda came out to give that message to our community. Um, one last thing before you go, though, I want to remind you if that there's anything you're processing from that message or just in life in general. We want to be a community that supports and encourages each other. So let us know on your Connect card that you need encouragement or support, uh, whatever that is, prayer or community or whatever else. But we would love to, in whatever way we can, make sure that you uh, are poured into and encouraged in our community. So be sure to do that. I hope everyone has a wonderful, blessed week, and we will see you again real soon.